0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Well, how's everyone doing today? Doing all right? It's good to be gathered together. Whoa, that was loud. I heard that from over here. Sorry. I just got thrown off by a sound effect, which is all good. I'm here. You're here. We're good. You join us online. It's all good. Love, Love to be gathered together. We're jumping into the series that we're in that we started last week called Close Encounters, where we're taking a look at men and women who had this encounter with Jesus and their lives have been changed forever. And we're going to chase after another one of those encounters today. But before we do that, I want to just wrestle with this idea of being thirsty. Like, have you ever been in a moment in life where you were so thirsty, you would have drank almost anything to quench that thirst? I remember experiencing this with my my daughters when they were much younger. We were living in Canada and Canada like winter in Canada looks good in pictures, but it's brutal. And so we discovered that you gotta get out of that and go to a warm place for at least one week every winter. And so we would do this as a family while we were living there. And we we wound up going to this beautiful beach resort and having this beautiful time. And what was so great is where we would hang out playing in the sunshine. There's this little little like bar that was set up where you can go and get drinks all day long, and so they had these awesome drinks that our girls loved that were just like, like slushy slurpees, and I remember one day, like, the girls were just sweating buckets. It was a hot summer day, and so they're just like, we want a drink, and so they go to get their drink, and Brooklyn's got her little slurpee, and she's just pounding this thing, and she's about halfway through, and she looks at us, and she goes, Mom, my drink tastes like medicine, and we're like, well, let's see that, and we take a little sip, and we're like, "Oh." She got a fully loaded drink at the bar as a six-year-old, and she slammed like half of it. And we're like, okay, you're going to feel the world spinning for a little bit. Uh, just sit here. Like, like, here's some water. Start hydrating. Like, it's going to be okay. And she, was, she thought she was going to get arrested. It was like the, the funniest, saddest moment ever. And, but there was that thing, like, like it, she was so thirsty. Whatever they would have handed her, she would have drank. And like, that happens in life sometimes, doesn't it? Like, like there's this, this longing that we have, almost like this thirst in our soul, and we're looking for anything that would just satisfy it. And sometimes that thirst, if we're not careful, will actually lead us into things that could hurt us, that would lead us into things that we think would fulfill and satisfy us, but ultimately won't. And, and to me, that's what's so incredible about encountering Jesus is that when we begin to discover who he is, when he begins to show up in our story, when we begin to to recognize that he's come to do something for us, we realize that Jesus actually came to fulfill that longing that we have in us. Like like Jesus said that he came that we could have life, life to the fullest. And this is something that he promises to do in us as he he shows up in our story. He puts his spirit within us, fulfilling us from the inside out so we don't have to chase outside things to fill us. And it's a beautiful thing when Jesus shows up. And so today, as we continue in the series, we're going to discover another encounter that we're going to see where Jesus is offering the fulfillment that people are longing for. And he's going to encounter them in a mess. And it's a messy story we're going to look at today. But I think if we're willing to lean in, we're going to discover that wherever we're coming from, Jesus has something that he's offering to all of us. And so let's lean in and take a look at the story that we have. And, and it's a story that starts in John's account of the life of Jesus, in what we would call John chapter 8. But before we jump into that story, I want to unpack something that happened right before it, because it sets up everything that's about to happen in John chapter 8. And we read this in John's account of the life of Jesus in John chapter 7, and and so what's going on in this point in time is there's this huge festival that's underway, a huge Jewish celebration that Jesus, being a first-century Jew, would have taken part, of, part in in his day. And, and it's this huge celebration that they're, they're seeing what God would do, one of many that they would do throughout their, their annual cycle. And right in the middle of this epic celebration, Jesus interrupts the whole thing, and he says these words. In John 7, 37, we read this. It says, On the last day, the climax of the festival... Jesus stood up and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me, and anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And when Jesus does this, this is a very intentional moment when he does this, because one of the the, the things that they're celebrating in this specific festival is God's provision and God's protection of them as a people in ancient times. Like this was the thing that they were celebrating when, when God had rescued them as a people out of Egypt. I don't know if you remember seeing the cartoon, right? And God's deliverance. And now they're, they're heading into this promised land that God had for them. But they had to spend some time kind of roaming to get some stuff figured out. And, and there would be times where they're like, God, we need you to provide for us. And there was a time in that story where they were so lost in the desert, they were dying of thirst. And God shows up and provides. And water flows out of a rock to provide the thirst, that, to quench the thirst that they had. And so in this celebration where Jesus is at, they're celebrating this climactic moment. And, and the priest would have gotten this pitcher of water and would have poured it out, and water would have been gushing out. And in that moment, that's when Jesus stands up and says these words. And, and like what he's saying to everyone in that moment is, hey, this thing that we've been longing for, the, the, the thing that we've been hoping for, it's me. And I've come to bring this fulfillment to you. I've come to satisfy what you're longing for and and then John gives us a little bit of insight to help us understand what Jesus is saying in the next verse in John seven thirty nine. He says when he, when Jesus said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. Meaning like, Jesus, I, I trust you. I, I believe that you've come to do something for me. And, and John was like, but hey, at this point in time, the spirit hadn't been given because Jesus hadn't yet entered his glory. That, that what Jesus is talking about with this offer of living water is, This promise that he said, I would come and do for you what could not be done. I'd put my spirit in you, and you'll find what you're longing for as the Spirit of God comes into your life and begins to lead you into the life I've come to set you free to live. And so this is Jesus saying this in this moment, and and the people were totally mixed in their response. Like there are some that were totally excited and intrigued and wondering, who is this? What's he talking about? We've heard the stories of him. Like, could it possibly be true? there were some that were just kind of confused, and they're like, but, but we knew him. Like, like, we grew up with him. Like, who, who is this guy that could offer this? And, and then there were some that were just completely offended and upset by it. Because as Jesus was saying these things, it was as, as if he was shifting the focus on himself. And mo, most of the ones that were offended were the ones in positions of power in, his, in their day. And, and they're like, no, 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 wait, wait. We're, we're the religious leaders. Like, like, why are you turning people to you, Jesus, taking it away from us? And and it was this mixture of response in the crowd. And it's interesting to see that the people that were offended were those who were threatened because what Jesus was offering was threatening the way they were living their life. That's just an interesting, interesting observation, just a sidebar here. So often when you begin to encounter Jesus, there's this offer he's putting on the table, but sometimes it can actually feel threatening. It can feel threatening to us because if the life we're holding on to, if we think that's actually better than the life he's offering us, there's a tension in us about that. And yet what I know in my own story is those times when when the life Jesus is offering is is speaking to the life I'm living, there's this thirst in me that I'm like, but I want what you're offering. And so am I willing to maybe lean in and go with you to trust what you're doing in my story to see what you have for me? So if you've ever been offended by Jesus, that's really cool because it means he's speaking to you about something. If you're willing to listen to what he wants to do, what he wants to say, because he's not trying to be offensive. He's trying to set you free from something to satisfy that longing that we're chasing after. And, and so here's the story. Now, this is, this is everything that sets up this encounter that we're about to see, where Jesus is about to meet with this group of people in this very messy moment that's flowing out of this time, because those that were offended didn't like what he had to say, and they wanted to challenge him. And it gets messy, and people are getting dragged in the dirt. And so this is what we read now in John chapter 8. So the day after this festival, the day after Jesus says these things, the day after the people are just confused and all the things that are going on, we read that Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. And a crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. And it's always amazing when you look at Jesus' life, that whenever he would show up, crowds would just be drawn to him because they were intrigued, they were curious. Like, he was saying incredible things, he was doing amazing things, he was changing lives, and people were just always interested. What, what is this that you're doing? Maybe maybe that's just why you're here today, because you're just curious. Like, who is this Jesus? What's he all about? And, and I just want you to know, like, join us on the journey. Like, keep leaning in. You're welcome here to come in and just wonder, because we believe Jesus can do amazing things for everyone. But in the middle of this, as he was speaking, we see this thing happen. The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Okay, talk about an awkward moment. Right? I mean, here's Jesus doing doing his teaching thing and people are drawn, and and these religious leaders are so angry and upset, they're threatened, that they go and they find a woman who has done something that just that's broken. They grab her, they bring her in like an angry lynch mob, they find her and they just throw her in front of Jesus in the middle of it. Do you know how awkward that would be? Like, can you just imagine if you're hanging out that day and this whole thing starts to go down and you're like, what is happening? You know how awkward that must have been for her? Like, what is happening? And so they say, teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And the law said, Moses says to stone her, what do you say? And they're trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. And so here's here's what's going on. They don't care about her. They don't care about really like, is this a right or wrong thing that she was doing? They're just using her to try to set up Jesus. I mean, if they were really concerned about what was going on, where's the dude? Because last time I checked, it took two to tango, right? Like, but obviously, this is a setup, and they're just using her to get at Jesus. And, and they're trying to create a dilemma for him. And the dilemma that they're trying to set up for Jesus is to get him stuck in an impossible choice. Because if Jesus affirms the ancient law that you, we, we shouldn't do this, that this is a broken choice and there's a consequence, and the ancient law said that anyone who did this was supposed to be killed, if he affirms that law, then they can get him in trouble with Rome. Because at this point in time, Rome is the governing authority, and only Rome has that right. And so if Jesus affirms the tradition and the beliefs, now they can just run to Rome and say, this guy's trying to throw off the, the entire system. And yet if Jesus doesn't affirm, if Jesus kind of steps back and goes like, well, well, I, I'm not here to condemn, like I, I, I'm not going to do this, and he says, like, no big deal, like, guys, just let her go, then they can try to debunk him and defame him as somebody who's not actually holding to the teachings that they all believed. And so what do you do when you're caught in the horn of a dilemma like that? I don't know if you've ever been stuck in a conversation and someone's like, ah, I got you either way. I love what Jesus does. So they were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down, and wrote in the dust with his finger. We have no idea what he was doing in that moment. People will speculate all day long. You know, they'll say like, oh, he's writing down the names of people that have done equally bad things, or he's writing down the things that that crowd had done. He's maybe playing tic tac we We just don't know. We don't know what he's doing with his finger in the dust, but here's what he's not doing. He's not playing their game. I've come to do something different, guys. I'm, I've come to offer living water. I didn't come to play this game. And so the crowd, they're getting upset, this mob. And, and so they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. Now this has just gotten awkward for them Because this is the angry lynch mob, right? And what Jesus is basically saying, like, okay, if you've got clean hands, if you've never done anything wrong, throw away. And their response is amazing. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. And I, and I love what John helps us understand that, that that as Jesus asked this very pointed question to this angry mob, their response was just drop, <laughs> these stones just dro- dropping, and they start walking away. And he's, and John helps us understand. He says it's with the oldest first, because there's some wisdom that these guys are suddenly living out, right? Because have you noticed that the longer you live, the more dirt you have on your hands? <laughs> Is it just me? Like, I'm mid-lifing right now, and I'm like, dang it, I got some history. And here's what's going on with them. They suddenly realize, and the older ones are like, oh, I, I have no part being here anymore. And they all start walking away until only Jesus is left with the woman. And when Jesus stood up again, he said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? no lord she said and jesus said neither do i go and leave your life of sin i think what what a beautiful picture of jesus showing up in the in this moment and, and, and a mob coming around and and people just being so upset and jesus decides not to play the game and and he meets this woman in the midst of her brokenness and mess and i love what jesus does because Jesus doesn't condemn her because of her broken choice. He offers her something better. Because catches at the same time, he doesn't condone it either, right? Because he, he says, go and leave this life of sin. And, and I, I don't know about you, but like, I, I need that in my story. When I've bro- made broken choices, I don't need someone coming in with the hammer and just knocking me down. But I need somebody who can actually call me out of it as well. Somebody who will say, yeah, this is a problem. This isn't what is good for you, but I have something better for you. And I love this beautiful picture of what we see Jesus doing here. He doesn't condemn. He doesn't condone. Instead, he calls her out into something better. And what we're seeing in this story is Jesus living out what he just promised the day before when he said, I have living water. If you're, if you're thirsty, come. I want to offer you something better than how you're finding yourself in wherever you're at, whatever circumstance you're in, whatever the mess and brokenness is in your story. Jesus is saying, I've come to offer you something better than what you're caught up in today and what's amazing is we look at the story it's it's easy to see this as an offer to the one laid out in the dirt but jesus is actually putting this offer on the table for everyone in that moment for everyone in that place that this is an encounter that he's offering to everyone it's not just for the woman laid out in the dirt it's also for the ones holding stones which is easy to miss, I think, sometimes when we look at the story, because I don't know about you, but it's really easy to get upset with the mob, right? To look at these guys and go like, you jerks, like who do you think you are to do this? And, and, and to be upset with them and to have a, a, an incredible compassion for the woman, and rightfully so, but so much so that we actually miss that what's being offered is to everyone. It's, it's not just to one, it's to everyone in that moment. Because this living water isn't just for the one who's been laid out in the dirt. It's for the ones holding stones because there's something broken in their life too. And Jesus is like, I've got something better for you. And this is really good news for us today. Because I think if we're willing to be honest with our own story, we can find something in common with everyone in that story. Like there's times where I've been laid out in the dirt, and there's times when I've been holding stones. How about you? And the good news is, is that if we're willing to be honest with ourselves, we might just discover this living water that's being offered for us. And yet we have to be willing to let ourselves get a little offended (laughs) if we're going to experience that living water. So you ready to get offended? Here we go. Have you ever found yourself holding stones? in your story? Not me. No, that's the bad people. I never did that. All right, well, let's just walk through this. As we are reading through the story, and maybe you're familiar with it, and it's just bringing up things. How many of you were really angry with those dudes in the mob? Can we just, can we be honest? I know it's church, but it's okay to be honest. Yeah. Like, the way I would have really liked to see the story go down if I was the one telling it which is it's good that I'm not the author, but if it was me, I'd be like like they show up and they're got to stoner and Jesus like picks up rocks and just smites them all in that moment, like whoosh and they're gone. Like that would have been like Lord of the Rings version of it, for me, right? Like that's that's how I would have wanted to see it because in being angry with the ones holding stones, it's really easy to find ourselves holding stones, isn't it? Yeah. Man, have you ever done that toward another person? Maybe it's somebody who holds a different political ideology than you. Oh, we never do that. Never. United we stand. We're American. You're like, come on. Oh, those liberals. Oh, those conservatives. Oh, my gosh. It's ugly, isn't it? And it's not like one side has the the rightness and the stance. Both sides do it. Because guess what? This isn't just a religious problem. This is a human problem problem i mean have you ever found yourself just holding stones towards somebody that was just different than you and lived differently and thought differently than you i'll just confess i've thrown some stones over the course of covid because i was frustrated with how things were going down you can guess what that means but how about you throw any stones during covid why are they so strict why are they not following the rules? all of it right i mean that's just what we do And the great tragedy about this, about holding stones and and wanting to go after people, is that it is destructive. I mean, it's destructive to the ones we're throwing the stones at, but it's destructive to us as well. Because when we find ourselves in that place when we're holding stones, it actually reveals far more about us than it does the ones we're angry with. That there's something going on inside of me that's causing me to be so upset that I'm, I'm more willing to attack other people than deal with myself. And the reason why I think we just like to do this is because it's always easier to condemn the mess and another person's story, isn't it? Than to face the struggle on my own. To face my own issue, my own faults, my own failures. And those exist in my life because there's something that I'm looking for that I haven't been able to find And when it's not being fulfilled, I don't know what to do with that. So it's just easier to attack you. It's just easier to throw the stones. And when I find myself in that place, I have to wrestle with what's going on in my story. And it's why I love Jesus' response to them when they finally push him. It's so incisive into what's going on with them. Okay, if you're without fault, if you're without sin, throw away. And their response to that moment was equally insightful of what they recognized in themselves. Oh, I don't have clean hands in this story. I've got issues and struggles. I need help too. And here's this Jesus who says, I've got living water. That thing you're looking for that causes you to hide from yourself, to hide behind self-righteous indignation and defamation of other people so you don't have to wrestle with the thing inside of you, I've come to actually help you with that. I've come to actually set you free from that. I've come to give you the fulfill, fulfillment that you're looking for. You don't have to condemn others to feel good about yourself because i am come to set you free from the reason why you're holding stones in the first place. Man, as you think about that, what stones are you holding on today that Jesus wants to set you free from? Where's he at work in your story just saying, friend, let that go. But Jesus, they're wrong. They may very well be wrong. But that's not our job to be the judge. It's not our job to condemn. But we can have conversation, we could we could seek to help people understand what God's design and desire are and all those things, but man, it's not our job to condemn anyone. And when he begins to set us free from that, it's like, oh, I don't have to carry that anymore. And I can let you speak into the places of my life where I need you to show up and offer me the hope of something better. And see, this close encounter with Jesus shows us that this new life, this living water, is for everyone. For those holding stones. And it's also for those who've been laid out in the dirt. Because have you ever been laid out in the dirt in your store? Have that ever happened? Have you ever found yourself just laid out in the dirt? Caught up in the mess of your life? Man, there's a reason we get laid out in the dirt, isn't there? And it's not simply because there's a mob that drags us out. There's a reason we get laid out in the dirt because there's this thirst within us, isn't there? this longing that we're trying to satisfy in some way. And so often we're chasing, what we're chasing doesn't fulfill us and doesn't satisfy us, but I keep chasing after it, hoping it will. And if we're not careful, this, this thirst that we have, I, I have it. Do you have it? We all have it, right? It will lead us into things that won't help us, that'll actually hurt us. Like, like whatever's going on in this woman's story that would cause her to go into a relationship with somebody that's committed to another person, that, that's creating brokenness in everyone's life. And sometimes we chase after things like that because we think, well, I'm not happy with how it is, so I'm going to chase something else, thinking that will fulfill me and satisfy me, but it usually doesn't, right? It only leads to hurt and pain. It's those times when we find ourselves just caught up taking that thing because there's so much pain in my story. I'm going to use this thing to make the pain go away. And it does for a moment, right? Until it doesn't. Because there's something in my soul. There's something within me that I'm just longing. There's this thirst that I have. It's why we, we consume as Americans. It's not just an economic strategy. It's a brokenness in our spirit. Because we just got to keep grabbing the next thing and the next thing. Because if I can just get the next thing, this, this longing will be fulfilled. And yet it's not, is it? And here's what's so amazing about Jesus he understands this. And see, because if we're not careful, we'll, we'll let that thirst lead us into the dirt. And you know what I'm so grateful for when Jesus shows up in the story is that he meets us in the mess. He gets down in the dirt with us and just doodles in the sand so he can be close to us. And then finds us as we are. And I love him for being who he is because he doesn't condemn us because of the brokenness because he knows we're thirsty. Well, at the same time, he doesn't condone it either because he knows that that will never satisfy us. Instead, he calls us into something better with him. That's why he's willing to say, go and leave this life of sin because it's not going to give you what you're looking for. I've come to give you the life that you are longing for. I've come to show up and do something new in your story. So where is Jesus calling you to step out of the dirt today? Because he has something better for you. And what's amazing about that is we don't, have to, we don't have to hold our heads down in shame. We can just say, yeah, this is why I need you. And he meets us right where we're at. And he goes, this is why I came, to give you the hope of something new, the hope of something better. And that's the hope that we can all have today. The hope that we can all have today is that whatever the mess is in our lives, it's not beyond him. Whatever we're wrestling with, whatever we're struggling with, whether it's the mess we have because we're holding stones and there's just anger in our life, or it's the mess we're in because we've been laid out in the dirt, Jesus offers us something better. That's why he says these words, anyone who is thirsty may come to me, and anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And how many of you are thirsty today? Good news. His name is Jesus. And he's come to meet us in our thirst and to satisfy that. If we will trust him with our lives. If we will begin to say, Jesus, would you, would you just meet me where I'm at? Would you offer me the hope of something new? Would you help me say yes to you and begin to walk with you so I can drop the stones, so I can get up out of the dirt and find this life you have for me today? So friends, if you're thirsty, his name is Jesus. And he has a life for us. He has a life for you. And so let's not be afraid to chase him into that life. And so if you're, if you're caught up in stones today, just invite him to come in and speak to you about why that's going on. Invite him to show up and just say, could you help me understand this? Like, what what is it that, that has me so upset and so worked up that I'm actually missing what you have for me because of these stones I'm holding on to? And if you find yourself laid out in the dirt today, just ask him to come and meet you right where you're at and lead you into something better that he has for you because he's so good to us in that way. And so let's pray. Let's pray and ask God to do something in our lives today. And so, Father, we're here today because we believe you are good and we believe you are for us. And none of us are here today because we have it all figured out. None of us are here today because we're better than anyone else. We're here today because we believe you are good. And we believe you have a life for us. And so we're here asking you to show us what you have. And so would we have ears to hear what you want to tell us in this moment. Would we have a heart that leans in and says, Jesus, I want what you have for me. Thank you that you come into the story, that you pursue us because you have a life for us. So we want to step into that with you in this place, that you are a God who pursues us and doesn't give up on us and calls us into something new. And so today, would we step into that with you because you are on the scene and you have come to satisfy that thirst in every single one of us. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.